Hey, women's hockey fans, and happy new year. We are coming to you live from January 1st, 2021. We made it. We made it, folks. Congratulations. Of course, I am wishing you all a happy, a healthy. Uh, we all had a collective struggle in 2020, and I'm sure individually we had things we had to overcome. But if you're listening, that means we made it, um, certainly with our challenges, even unfortunately our losses along the way. So I am sending you love. I am sending you light. And I am bringing you the first Anya Packer interview of 2021. You might have seen that I teased out I'm doing the NWHL 101 challenge. Anya Packer was the first to take that challenge. And Tokarski is going to take the challenge next. And then if I'm lucky, we'll get individual journalists and maybe some players to do the challenge for each of the six NWHL teams. But stay tuned for that. Today, I'm bringing you my full interview with Anya Packer. Oh, man. We talked about so much. We obviously had her do the NWHL 101 challenge, two minutes or less. She went a little bit over, but not so bad. Um, We are going to talk about the N-double. That's right. The single site NWHL season uh, and location will be in Lake Placid, New York. Anya talks a little bit about that from... A COVID perspective, obviously, we're still dealing with a worldwide pandemic, but also from functionality and and maybe what are some of the things that we can expect? Um, What are some of the protocols, including what are some of the things that are still up in the air? Because we are very much kind of going going day by day with a lot of this stuff. So Anya talks about all of that. Then we get into just some of her favorite things in 2020. And one of them, I will have you know, actually joins the podcast first appearance by Baby Way, a.k.a. Waylon Packer, on the Founding Forward podcast. So we're starting off 2021 with a bang. Uh, We're going to the Packer household. We're talking NWHL. Of course, you know we have always strong crossover vibes. So Anya's also going to talk about some other women's sports. And she also teases some information about analytics. And if you haven't listened or watched my interview with Mike Murphy, I highly recommend that you do that. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with Anya Packer. All right. I am here with Anya Packer, executive director of the National Women's Hockey League Player Association. And Anya, first and foremost, like how are we feeling? What's the vibe on this Monday? I'm feeling good. I think there's no there's no bad vibes uh, as we head into the bubble. I think we're all feeling a little stressed. We're uh, we're running for sure. I would say we're sprinting now. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, 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 I think I've got uh, less sleep than I had when Wei was first born, but that's good. We're in a good spot. <laughs> wow. That's, that's saying a lot right there. Uh, well, you know, since you're already stressed, I figured I'd just tack on a little bit more here and uh, we're going to do something fun. Hopefully it'll be fun. Uh, so you and Anne Turkowski from the Ice Garden, I've asked you both to give a history I'm of going head to head you're going no. it's like we're gonna do a compare and contrast we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes so I'm gonna I'm pulling out oh. the stopwatch here so 
So we're going to do NWHL 101 in two minutes or less. So this is the Anya Packer version. You can say whatever you want. I will fact check it <laughs> later. Yeah. So you will you will be uh, deducted points in this fictitious game that I just made up uh, if you get any facts wrong. So keep that in mind. But we're going to give you two minutes or less. Let's see. Let's see what you got. I will let you know when you have reached two minutes. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? <laughs> no, but I'm going to try. <laughs> okay. Anya Packer gives us NWHL 101, two minutes or less, starting now. The NWHL is comprised of six teams, Boston, Connecticut, Metropolitan, Minnesota, Toronto, and Buffalo. And all of those teams are comprised of players that played NCAA that have played internationally that have have Olympic um, aspirations or um, tenures from, from Olympic rosters representing their country. So all of those athletes come together in the NWHL and we have a combination of different groups that have won the Isabel cup that has Boston, then Buffalo in a huge upset, then the Riveters, which we all know and love. Um, and then Minnesota took the cup and then, COVID took the cup, so nobody took it last season. Last season, you saw an absolutely crazy fight between Minnesota and Boston at the end, and Boston went undefeated, and they have uh, Jillian Dempsey, who's the point leader, and then you have uh, Madison Packer on the Riveters, who's chasing that, who's not only leading the pack in points, but also in, in uh, almost penalty minutes. Uh, so you have so many different crazy names. You have Taylor Accursi, who scored multiple hat tricks, Yes, I'm killing it. Okay, so you you have Allie Thunstrom, who was a former speed skater, almost made it to the Olympics on speed skating, who's in our league for the Minnesota Whitecaps. She's got unbelievable speed. And with Jonna Curtis, she unlocks some crazy goals. You have the newcomers in the uh, in the Toronto Six, who is completely stacked. You have players that have played for the Toronto Furies, former CWHL team. You have Cheyenne D'Arcangelo, who was a former Connecticut Whale startup um, and, and star. And you have all these different players. And then on the flip side, you have some real underdogs. You have the Buffalo Buttes and the Connecticut Whale, who have both signed unbelievable talent this season and are hugely gritty teams and so exciting to watch. So tune in. You can watch on Twitch. You can watch on NBC Sports. Come on, people, please. The NWHL is fired up for their for their bubble season. We're going to be in Lake Placid and there's no bad time to start being a fan of the NWHL. So join us. Oh, that was not bad. That was not bad at all. Yes. I could have got some like rules, but then I started getting nervous. I was like stumbling <laughs> on a word. I was like, I, I... anyway, that was fantastic. So we'll have to see how Anne does. I'm recording with her tomorrow. But um, first of all, I just want to let all of the viewers, and of course, I know you know this, Anya, but Anne did an amazing job doing Women's Hockey 101. But so I'm riffing off of that idea that Anne had, that the Ice Garden had, and just like gamifying it, condensing it for two minutes or less. So we got the executive perspective, and then we'll get Anne's perspective. And uh, the, but that was fantastic. You crushed it. You crushed it. Gosh, it's I, hard. It's so hard to take it's what tough. I think is like it's my tough. favorite thing in life and put it into two minutes. <laughs> Um, let's continue on this conversation about the NWHL while we have you. Um, you mentioned the bubble in your two minutes. Uh, you got that in there. You also mentioned that COVID, <laughs> COVID took the 2020 cup. Took it. Just grabbed it, took it away, 
put it to the side. Um, but uh, we're hoping that won't be the case for 2021. So why don't we, uh, since last we spoke, we've had a lot of updates, as you mentioned, also NBC being one of them, but like, what is the good news? What can we expect for the N-double, particularly when it comes to uh, the new partnership that was announced with Yale and how to keep players and staff safe in the N-double? We are in 2021, and you know what? I'm going to get really serious about my Patreon page in 2021. That's because I saw that with a little bit more dedication in 2020, I was really able to not quite 10x, but definitely improve um, the the capabilities that I have as a podcaster now, as someone who also uh, shares content on YouTube, etc. And this is kind of the way that we're doing things. So if you are not already a supporter of Sports Talk with Erica Lindsay Ayala, E-L-A, that's me, I highly recommend that you check that out. I had a lot of fun putting together some thank you notes for the Patreon posse, as I like to call them, some dedicated, long-standing members, just looking at some of the people that are on that Patreon page that have been with me for man, almost two years, and we've seen so much growth, but I still have some other goals and some other things in mind. So here's what I'd love for you to do. If you are already a Patreon member, please uh, share the good word of Patreon. If you're not a member, I hope you would consider joining the Patreon posse. You can now uh, join at an annual level and just pay at whatever tier for the full year and you'll get that at a discounted rate um and maybe you're not able to to be a patreon member just yet but we we welcome you when you can come on board but another thing that is really great is if you like subscribe share rate and review do all of the things get the word of the founding four podcast in particular out this of course is the flagship show of sports talk ela it's going to make a huge difference, especially as we are counting down the days to the end double. I'm still in talks and uh, about what my coverage is going to look like. So that's a little bit TBD, but you know who's going to know first? It's the Patreon posse. So again, I appreciate all of you who listen in regularly and do share the work. And let's, again, 10 exit for 2021. All right, back to my interview with Anya Packer. So we have done a really exciting thing with Yale this year and helped be a partner in their um, development of their testing. So the way that we've done that is first and foremost, we started with two tests. We have a control, which is the deep nasal test. And then we have um, a saliva direct test that they're uh, spearheading and, and doing. So what we found is we've got a baseline and we were able to then provide them enough, um, or we do actually every week, all of our teams test and they're able to take that saliva direct, use that for um, their testing module and create a much more efficient and inexpensive exam for COVID testing. So that has been huge. Their team and their group is is very uh, accessible to our athletes to guide them to answer questions, to understand what's going on, to share results and, and everything to that effect. They're super collaborative and obviously extremely intelligent. So we've been thankful for that. But it also gives our athletes the function to have 
the, the, the knowledge and the confidence that when they walk into the rink, they're being safe. And not only the Yale team, but also the NYU team, who has been a longtime partner in the NWHL. They're our um, official healthcare provider, our official hospital um, of the NWHL. And they have provided us what I would say is like an unbelievable amount of support here uh, on a biweekly call. So we have our board that plans all things COVID related um, protocols from understanding what other leagues are doing to how we're going to keep our athletes safe to what a bubble looks like, you know, all these different things. So when we started to really dive into the end double, it was safety number one, and then um, getting the product, right. Getting the product on the ice, because that's why we're all here. We want to play the sport. And with those two key partners, I think we've had more than enough resources to dive into understanding what it looks like to keep those athletes safe, to make sure they're, you know, masked, make sure they're getting tested, make sure they're, you know, in the right locker room with the right amount of people that they're not showering in communal showers, that they're, you know, having the right access to prepackaged foods and what does the time in and out of the hotel look like? And so there's a lot of things that have been up in the air, uh, but those two teams have been, you know, some of the, the biggest guiding forces that we've had in this COVID unsure time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, hearing a little bit about all of the different types of testing and stuff, I mean, it can be a lot and even covering other leagues it's, and unfortunately we're seeing in the college ranks when it comes to hockey or basketball that, you know, there's so much unknown and you do everything that you can. But, um, I do wonder if, um, you know, if, being able to have a little bit more of a controlled environment versus um, playing in market. I mean, what were some of the conversations and, you know, what are some of the, the upsides of the end double, but what are some of the things that maybe you're still concerned about when it comes to like the full package of the NWHL and being able to put a product out on the ice in 2021? Yeah. Our biggest thing is always going to be two main factors. One, if New York state allows us to move on it, because that could always change because New York state is the owner of all the facilities that we're going to be in, in Lake Placid. So they certainly have the, are the governing body there. Um, so that's first and foremost. And, and secondly, getting our athletes to the bubble safely is, is of the most importance. So if we say, Hey, it's going to be a bubble, meaning you have to have that pre that pre bubble quarantine, that controlled quarantine prior to we're then taking athletes that don't use the NWHL as their full-time job and forcing them into an environment where they're missing multiple weeks of work. So there's this kind of duplicity of we're going to do as controlled a runway as possible, right? If somebody is some job and they feel like it's risky to go into work, then maybe they choose to not, or maybe they ask for that leniency from their boss, or maybe they don't have that. And then we know going into it that that athlete is risky. There's a lot of risk. I use the word risk a lot, but associated with our league, because we aren't yet at the place to put someone in a house and say, you're making $10 million. So you better stay home. Right. And we are your, we are your meal ticket. So you can respect that and do that. Um, so I think that that adds an extra layer of challenge to what we're doing here but our athletes have been so extremely responsible in all of this and trying to understand how to make this fly that I know that we have, we've built the protocols for them, but also they've responded so well that I, I'm, you know, I'm always going to knock on wood, but I think that there's a lot of good going into this where the risks are certainly there. 
And I wonder also what that means for the bubble itself. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, obviously the, the testing and trying to make sure that even leading up that you have some as much as possible controlled, you know, element. And I'm sure the testing and contact tracing, et cetera, will be a part of it. But another thing that we've seen leagues that go into a bubble, or more so the NW. SL and the WNBA have to maybe grapple with is what a roster looks like knowing that injuries in sport is very common. But then if you add now a quarantine aspect, you know, how, how is the NWHL managing or maybe trying to think and forward be forward thinking when it comes to any injuries or illness as it may relate to the season and how to make sure that teams are as, you know, have as full a roster as, as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely hard because we certainly, like I said, because it's a New York state facility, we have limits on how many people can come. So I think that we could all say, yeah, 30 player, player roster would eliminate a lot of this challenge because in hockey, it's not like basketball where there's, you know, a few people on the court at a time, there's five players plus a goalie that rotate every 45 seconds when they're out on the ice. It's a totally different roster size. So the average hockey roster probably plays almost 21 people on the ice. And that's a huge number. So add that number to the fact that we're also trying to get into this controlled environment. Um, so I think that that, that adds a, that postures a huge challenge because we do have a, a cap on how many people can go per team. So, you know, those rosters aren't those 30 player rosters. I wish they were, but they're not. And so it adds a challenge. So now that being said, the other side of it is we have a very strict protocol. If there's a certain percentage of a team that goes down, that team then is taken out of the tournament. Um, you know, there's all of these different things that we've done and, and as well as not letting the teams intermingle with one another outside of the ice and then determining risk once they are on the ice and what that looks like. So um, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for the work that's being done behind the, the, the scenes to make hockey safe in this environment. It's certainly not easy. I think we could all agree that any contact sport um, against somebody with COVID would give somebody some pause and some concern. And so we're trying to get before that and, and so that we aren't in that space, but there's a lot of, um, additions to our protocol that, that play on these exact things. If somebody's injured, what does that look like? If somebody has COVID, what does that look like? If they've been around their team who has COVID, how risky is that? What locker rooms are they in? How many people are in each locker room? Cause we might be bubbling, right? But that doesn't change any numerous factors of how many people can be in a room because we're an indoor sport. So there's a lot of challenge to say, okay, we're in this, and double, but somebody on my team had COVID and we put 25 people in a room. We can't do that either. So then we have to have even more space, which has been so, uh, so great of the, the Lake Placid team to give us the space we need. We have probably close to 20 rooms in entirety in our infrastructure wow. that have different groups here, there, this is there, this is there. And they have been, you know, maestros in this this orchestration of what it's going to look like and that has been uh that's been extremely important especially because we just are unsure what it looks like to to operate yeah wow that's you know you think about that and we've seen in the past like um 
team split just because of the size of, of different, um, you know, ice sheets in the past. I know that from, you know, different arenas that the Connecticut whale team has played in, et cetera. So, you know, but, but, you know, this is very different COVID, even like the shower situation, that's extremely important. Um, but I do want to switch gears because I think there are opportunities and we see ways um, to engage fans a little bit different because of the restrictions. Again, wanting to keep certainly the staff and the players safe, but also the fans, uh, the fans that, as you often say, are, are very much the lifeblood of women's hockey and certainly the NWHL. In thinking about that, what excites you most about ways that fans can engage uh, from, the, from the PA perspective? You know, what would you say are, are you most excited about? I think that there's a lot of innovation that has to be done in the world of sports pre-COVID because it needs to. We need to find a way to be more accessible. And that doesn't necessarily mean putting our athletes in front of fans physically every day because that is a one-to-one connection. And we can build much more um, exponential connection sets. And I think that that's how women's sports grows in entirety. And, and women in, in my opinion are so much better at champion, championing their digital footprint because of that need. So that is a, a whole innovation that sports needed before COVID. And so COVID has forced innovation in so many different industries and sports is obviously not immune. Um, and I think that one way is you know, just the way that we're doing some of these cardboard cutouts, some of these really fun connections that, that you can then post on social, you can then have that back and forth banter on Twitter or um, through Zoom meetings or through coaches corners or just ways to open the doors and let people know what sports look like. Um, and, and I think that a lot of that, you know, day in the life cam or um, takeover type relationships with women's hockey and the NWHL in particular with their fans is a way to uh, create that exponential growth. You know, we have this Twitch partnership last year, which is a three-year relationship. And that was truly very innovative to say, hey, this is an esports platform. No league has streamed on it before. They gave us the function to do that. And we jumped at it because one, it's a new streaming service for us. So it's a whole new group of fans but it also added emotes, which was a really fun thing, or this chat feature that was integrated in the conversation. It wasn't like live tweeting a video. It was truly an integrated relationship. And I think that all of that is really important to making our fans feel needed and wanted. And that associated with some of the virtual fan experiences that we've seen in um, leagues that are much larger than ours, it all creates the, the feeling that you need to be there to make this game happen and exist. Because we started watching sports before they started infusing the fan sounds and we all recognized how important we were in the game. And, and so I think that, that that just speaks volumes to what our fans provide to us in terms of support and energy and you know wanting to score the goal for the team, but also for them. And, and so being innovative and, and creating that digital footprint adds a lot of opportunity for our athletes to become stars as opposed to just people that they you know are in the NWHL. And I think that that function of stardom and that that need for people to have female role models to look up to uh, is filled by a lot of female athletes that are, are willing to make themselves uncomfortable and post the picture or do the AMA or get involved. 
And it might seem silly that, you know, you're sitting there with a phone constantly taking pictures of yourself, but then it, it turns into this amazing following. Yeah, I'm excited for that. We know that there are a lot of different packages that each of the teams is putting together. Uh, Boston Pride, I know, is has a partnership that includes kind of something like a throwback to what Rivs Nation used to do and kind of creating an experience for other fans. They've partnered with Score. Uh, I know the Riveters have uh, a cowbell giveaway, if I if I remember correctly. So if y'all are piping in sound, we better hear the cowbell. We better hear Rosie is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There's so many different things. Like there's there's a lot that our, our groups have gotten creative on. And so I think that that's the superpower of female sports and women in sport is that they just are different and they think differently. It's not, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Steph Curry. People are going to know who I am. They're going to buy my shoes. They're going to wear my jersey. You know, you're not. And, and that's that's a sting. But then when you get over that pain, you remember that your Madison Packer or your Kaylee Fracken or your all these things. And you have to go find somebody that can take the picture of you with the brand on it. I mean, I tweeted it the other day, like when you see a female athlete pumping a brand, like she is getting paid on how it does not on herself. She's getting paid on how that campaign does almost always, mm-hmm. unless you're like Serena or Osaka or any of these athletes that are like, Okay, come on. There are some female gods that were around. But for the most part, that female athlete is getting her metrics checked and that's how she gets paid or that's how she gets renewed. And that's wrong. And that's why we need to make this environment and innovate because we don't yet have the stardom across the board where you could take somebody from the NWSL that maybe isn't on the national team and know them recognizably. And the same thing happens in basketball. Same thing happens in hockey. You know, there are some athletes that have climbed the ranks against, you know, I would say, you know, a Jill Dempsey and Allie Thunstrom, a Madison Packer, a Kaylee Fracken, a Taylor Kersey. You know, you could get, I could give you a handful of athletes that I think have fought that norm, mm-hmm. but, but it's hard. And even still, you know, those athletes pale in comparison to some of their counterparts that have, um, that Olympic experience. And so I think that in the, in the world of sport and especially in women's sports, the more we can use our digital footprints to build that stardom and follow those athletes, share that content, make those people that, you know, kind of star, you can start getting them paid, but until then they're going to just wait to blow up. They're going to get paid less than the Instagram influencer who's never played a sport before and gets a XYZ product that an athlete actually needs hmm. because she might have more followers. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, it is a wild world. And uh, I know it from the media side, uh, which actually is a perfect transition to another question. I'm going to take a little bit of a, a liberty here since I have you. I know what it was like to cover the wobble as as a media member and you know i was like looking at the schedule and i was like oh wow you know 12 games two to three games a day i was like that seems that's that's different uh but i'm sure it'll be fine by like the fifth day i was like what is life like this is why i wear these blue light 
glasses all the time now. I'm just like, they're on my face all the time. But uh, I do wonder, uh, what are you expecting the interaction with media to be? Because another piece, of course, of being able to have that that notoriety is the access that media is able to have in order to, to do that storytelling. Yeah, I think it's hugely important. I think the W did a really good job of providing those virtual conferences where they put some of those athletes that were media requested on a Zoom and gave everyone the function to speak to them and, and run their interviews. And um, we were able to get some really good imagery and sound bites from you know what they're saying or what they're wearing. And, and I love the W, so I was like deep into the, the trenches on the media side. Um, <laughs> but that's all hugely important. We can't have our athletes in a bubble or an end double and not give them the function to talk to the media. I think that that is a huge miss. And so creating those press conferences virtually is going to be extremely important and that there's you know i think that we have not we've gone away from from we had i guess never really established a press conference environment in the nwhl it was more like grab who you want to talk to like you know and i know like you at the end of the game see reporters and all these athletes in front of our um backdrop and it's a little bit of a it's a little bit haphazard and you know, you get the interview with whom you're talking to directly, but you're not necessarily speaking to the masses. And so I think that that's going to be the new style. And I think that that would be, um, I think that that's something that we're trying to uh, innovate and make sure that those athletes are getting those press conference environments where um, we're inviting major media as well as media that we've long respected and worked with, uh, which is important because People that have covered women's hockey from its inception and from day one are so important because they've told the stories when nobody else did. But also we need the infusion of bigger media. So it's like this duplicity of how do you navigate that while making somebody like yourself or the ice garden or people that have really lived in the trenches with us and help keep those on a platform and not necessarily say no, but also continue to, to allow the, the larger and better to get access to the right pictures or, you know, more interviews or things like that. So there has to be some, there has to be an increased focus every day on media. So that's my, that's my two cents on, on what we're going to do. I love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see what it's going to look like. I mean, you know, we, I think the closest that the NWHL has gotten to, um, kind of that press conference is usually at the larger events, like an all-star weekend. Uh, Pittsburgh is popping out in my mind in particular, maybe like uh, the Isabel Cup playoffs. But yeah, something like that. Much appreciated. I know this reporter will say that. I will also say, um, because, you know, Auntie is sometimes mildly petty. I'm working on it for 2021. But all I want to say is that, like, if there's going to be swag, like, give all the media the swag. That's one of the reasons I love covering the, yes. the WNBA. I, I tweeted about my, I don't have an orange hoodie, but I had an orange mug for the longest time. And I got that at, because I covered a draft, you know, like stuff like that. We, you know, we media, we work hard. We just, we, we want, uh, we want the swag right. bags too. Right? <laughs> I know. I think that that's the thing. Like, you, you forget, like, in all of this, when people start doing the, like, campaigns to get the brand out which is huge but there are people that that maybe deserve it like deserve a little less Saying, you know Shay Serrano we love you but I mean you know Erica that's all I gotta say <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably cut that maybe I won't who knows we'll- <laughs> they leave it just for some spite yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> clickbait <laughs> but I'm not lying these are facts these are no, facts it's a fact. <laughs> 
<laughs> but all right, so we'll we'll look forward to what that will look like. And of course, uh, I want to just clarify this and then let you talk about NBC. But so NBC will cover the semifinals and the finals. So that's the last three games of the season. But everything else is going to be on Twitch. So all of that, uh, what are they? The emoticons. Okay, first of all, like, is are we are we good with Connecticut? Like, are, are is the fam okay? Like, are is there emoji put together? Is Toronto Six ready? Because I was feeling some kind of way covering Connecticut games, and there was no fins up or whale for the longest time. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? I was upset because I like to send a couple whale out there. You see, I'll send my red my, fossil and then, yeah, like I've got my whale. I've got my whale you. ornament here. Yes. There is CT love. <laughs> Listen, I had live in a weird world where I have to find, I have to cheer for everybody. I'm a former Connecticut whale player. My wife's on the riveters. Like, come on. I don't know what I'm ever doing, but I'm like, why was that so hard to do? I know. So we got to you Twitch people, uh, but also like show the whale some love. You know how hard it, okay. So in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, oh, just spin up and like gamify this, just spin it up. They're like, yeah. you know how hard that is. I'm like, like, no, no I, I don't actually. <laughs> I'm actually, I have no idea. So in my mind, it's as easy as telling you to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've got, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of love from the Twitch team. We actually work with them so closely and I, I could like call any one of them on my phone. I love their group. They're super fun and they, they get right into the middle of like my crazy brain. Um, so I'm excited for what Twitch is going to look like this year. Every year they get a little bigger and badder with us. And that's because we have the results. I mean, we had 8 million eyes last year. They definitely know that we capture a good group of their audience so uh so they're giving us a lot of support going into the bubble love to see it nwsl of course also was on twitch yeah. saw a little bit of that so uh seeing some of the returns as far as uh, what the twitch partnership has been and hey ahead of the curve now twitch has become quite the destination for not just e-sports and and uh gaming and stuff like that but also more traditional sports so i mean yeah. just saying listen i said it i'm like we are very innovative because we're light L-I-T-E, not light, like, you know, but we're small. And so we can get creative right. with the company. So if they're saying, oh, we want to do this or that, we are very easy to turn around and say we agree or we don't agree. And, and so not that necessarily the WNBA's CBA turned to what we did and said, oh, well, we need the 50-50 rev share. But it certainly was not hurtful to them that we already had it, you know, and it certainly was helpful to the NWSL that the Twitch team had already seen success with us. Sorry. That's okay. Do what you got to do. He's just sitting, kicking his keyboard. Um, I heard the beautiful, beautiful music. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a musician for sure. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, so it helps when all the other leagues are looking at us and we're able to be really innovative because we're small. We, we have the function to do that. And so I think that that adds a lot of um, our superpower and it lets us go into the water first and then have that success. And then um, things like our revenue share or our Twitch partnership then become like rip and replace and you can do it across all sports. So I think that that's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. I mean, it's, it was exciting to watch the NWSL join Twitch and it was exciting to watch the WNBA get a 50-50 rev share. Love to see it. Love to see it. I have a little, uh, you know, serenade background music for the show. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Got the mom look now. <laughs> Wait, 
Oh, I think we're getting another packer. There we go. Okay. He's going to talk hockey now. He's All right, in. let's do it. Hey, Way, what's going on? He's like, yo, yo. My mom's real good welcome, at welcome to the Founding Four Pod slash the Nine Newsletter. Yay, welcome. It's your first appearance. What do you, you know? Today? You're officially a member of the Packer group now. <laughs> He's like, I hate the bubble. Oh, my mama's. Oh. <laughs> Look at that face. Well, is it, are we going to get a baby weight cut out? Like, what's happening? Yes. So, we, okay. so that was like the thing I was saying. Like, Brooke Stacy put up her photo about like which baby pic she should use. And I was like, wait, we have to do a photo shoot because I just had one and now we need multiple. I was so, I was like, so like, wait a minute. I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> where's my baby pics? That's. I can't wait. I can't wait. I told, I voted that all of the photos, just all of them, you yeah. know, like why multiple, just why choose? Why, why choose when we can I have know. them all? I know. Hey, hey. <laughs> He's like, what's going on? He's on the screen. He's so I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Adorable. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into uh, top 10 things of 2020 they can be nwhl related or not but like just what are you taking what 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 good have you taken from this year because i know we all kind of crap on the year but there there have been some amazing things in 2020 just just you know is there anything that happens to just be like really oh oh my gosh a whole baby (laughs) i have my okay so i i said the other day i was like 2020 has actually been very forgiving to me one i've had a child and that was amazing but I think that what we all did not recognize is that in all of this, that we have then gained patience and slowed down a little. And that has been a really relaxing and really calming thing that's happened in my own life. Um, I don't necessarily know if I've slowed down at all. We've converted to a bubble. I have a baby and I still have a full-time job. Like I don't know if I'm slow, but what I am is I'm more appreciative of the things that I do have. And so that's been What I would say my number one is I love my son, but I think that that is the most important because it's given my wife and I time to experience Waylon. It's given our families the ability to come see him. I mean, we were able to spend so much time with family this year because you really can't venture outside of a big circle. Like you can't go spend time with a bunch of people. So you find your crew that either you're willing to get sick from right? Or, you know, they're being safe. Right. I'm, you know, part of it is like, if my mom gives me COVID, I love my mom. I'm not going to not see my mom, but we have to obviously operate on an abundance of caution, but um, you know, there's certain people that you're willing to take the risk of seeing and, and willing to be around. And so that was, you know, something amazing. And then, um, on top of that, women's sports thrived. So for me, when we entered the COVID-19 confusion, you know, we watched the, and I think the first experience that I had with this was the WNBA State Farm draft. I thought to myself, okay, this is really going to disproportionately affect women's sports and we aren't going to recover from this. All of us, any women's sports league, we watched the WPLL not have a season. I mean, we literally watched women's sports start getting decimated 
And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, we're all going to really suffer. And so that happened, that draft. And, you know, I had all of the, the players in the Players Association start tweeting about it. I was like, guys, get on this. One, we love the WNBA. We have a great relationship with them. But two, they need support. You know, we all could lean in for one another. We always talk about a, a strong crossover. Um, it, it happens when people look at something and say, they need us. You know, our our... our sisters in basketball, our sisters in soccer, our sisters in lacrosse, our sisters in fast pitch, you know, they need us, tennis, swimming, like they need us, we need to be involved. And so when that had record viewership, I thought to myself, hold on a second, we might actually come out of this with a lot of love. And then, you know, you saw the NWSL take off, 500% 500% growth. You saw the WNBA absolutely crush it. You saw TV and cable picking up women's content, which has never happened before. Never. Okay. okay. Before. Let's and, go. Right. And because they needed it. And so what we recognize in all of this <clears throat> is it's valuable. People will put brands on it. People will put media on it. People will put commercials over top of it. People will watch it. People will start to tweet about it. People will follow them. Like when Asia posted about being the MVP and that absolutely blew up, you know, it's like people care. And that's the kind of thing that we thought COVID was going to crush women's sports and it didn't. And I think so that, that takes a lot of bubbles on uh, my top 10. And then for the NWHL, we obviously didn't have our, our, um, we didn't have our Isabel Cup final, but what we did was we survived. And I think that that's hugely important because, you know, we were or are a very small fledgling league that is trying to innovate and that, you know, we have all these goals and we have all these things that we're trying to do. And, and you know, we're, we're always trying to get to a livable wage. We're always trying to get to a better environment for women's hockey, but the idea of investing millions of dollars into a bubble season could be a deal breaker. It just could be. And you have to turn to the people that started the idea of the NWHL and, and, and see if they're going to continue to, to fund that. And they did. And that's, that is important. And we transferred to a governance model. So we now mirror many men's leagues and make it much easier for private ownership to exist in women's hockey. That's important, you know, and, and the addition of Ty Tamini is huge because she's not only unbiased and new in the world of hockey, but she's also a very well-established winner in baseball. So it's not like she came to us and I think it's, I'm sorry, he's like, <laughs> it's like, it's important to bring female business leaders into sport. We watched it in the W, we watched it in soccer. It's important. And I know that we will get there. Ty is definitely an interim and she has been amazing in her tenure and will be amazing until she uh, moves on from us. But there is something to be said for this transition in what's happened in hockey. And it's led to a lot of uh, changes to our athletes and what they've been getting, getting and given. And so it, it's done a lot in, in by way of uh, innovation for us. And so that's all good things. And so I think that's all of that in comparison or in, in combination, as well as I haven't had to go on a single work trip. So I've seen my wife every day of this, this calendar year has all been amazing. <laughs> yeah, you do. You did travel a lot for work. Yes, I travel a lot for work. I'm probably on the road uh, almost 50% of my month every month. 
Wow. And so I haven't been. And so I've spent a lot of time with this baby. And with my wife, I feel like I miss her a lot when mm-hmm. when work and, and life is normal because I'll be, you know, on the West Coast with meetings all day. We don't really talk. And so haven't had to do that, which is a bummer because I, I love that about my job, but I'm excited that I haven't had to uh, spend any time away from PAC. I'm, I'm here for all of this. I don't know how many that was, but we'll, we'll count them out later. I feel like it was like maybe five, but I added so many sub points. No, you, to yeah, there was, there was, you know, and we, you know what I, you know, me, I'm, I'm here for a good conversation. Sometimes you got to break it down for folks that don't know, but for all the, the OGs, a one day ones, they know how we roll. All right. So, you know, we, we kind of have this tradition now, Anya, where we, we talk about the whiteboard as we wrap up our conversation. So I'm going to ask my favorite question to ask of you. Um, we've seen some things come to fruition. Obviously, that board has probably gone through a lot of erasing. Oh, my gosh. She's adorable. I love it. I love it. Also, can we like normalize just having children around? I used to work for a child advocacy board. Yeah, I'm just kind of used to it. I know a lot more about pregnancy than I ever thought I would. Having that is not on my whiteboard. Let's just put that that is not on my whiteboard. Um, But I love it. I love having the the children around. So, Way, you're always welcome. Just so you know, open invitation whenever you want. But okay, let's let's hear about the APAC whiteboard. What's going on? Uh, what are you excited for for 2021? Yes, I'm hugely excited. I think that our whiteboard is important now more than ever before. The composition of season seven, right? So if we when we get out of the bubble, the composition of season seven is going to be extremely important. I would love to see an expansion pack. I would love to see more jobs. I think that it's hugely important to continue to drive both in private investment, right? Now that we're a governance model, private investment as well as better benefits. Because if someone's buying in when a CBA is being drafted or newly released or agreed upon prior to their investment, they have to adhere to it, obviously. And I think that that those two things can drive more and better as well as more jobs in better with better benefits. So that's one thing I think I've also then alluded to, I would love to get a CBA finalized before season seven, which gives me about a year and a half to finish that, or excuse me, half a year to finish that. Um, I think that those two things are, are uh, very, very important. And on that CBA, my goal is to increase salaries by 20%. I think that that's something that can be an actionable change. And, and then when we do create that, will also change the the, um, the amount of games. I want to see more games. I would love to see divisions start to break out now that we're adding um, more teams. And I think once we get to eight, we can start to be divisional, uh, but we're not, not there yet. Uh, so that's another thing that I think would be important. If we can start to break out some uh, divisional work, then we could have a uh, offsite or a, a, you know, a neutral site um, final. And I think that a neutral site final gives us a lot of success with things like continued coverage or um, new environments of people to be introduced to women's sport. You know, I'm really excited for Lake Placid and the team that's there. And so I think that that becomes a, a natural, uh, you know, every time we go somewhere, it becomes a natural spot to look forward to. 
Um, I don't necessarily know if that could substantiate a team. So I would, you know, more think like a neutral site, but that becomes exciting for everybody. And so I love to experience hockey in, in new spaces. And then on top of all of that, um, with some, some salary increases, I would love to see some benefit increases. We've added a lot of attention to uh, healthcare and wellness, especially this year. And so there's some um, partnerships that have, that have been spun up from the PA that help our players with their mental wellness. And um, I, I think adding additional uh, healthcare benefits as well as potentially insurance would be something that we need to start to look forward to, especially having, uh, you know, 16 to 150 athletes. If we add that seventh, then it would be almost 200. It's getting closer and closer. Uh, and, and I think that when we get to that 200 athlete mark, if we aren't providing insurance, then we're, we're really missing the, the boat. Um, so all of that on the whiteboard. How big is this whiteboard? I never asked that. I don't think. You know what? It could, it could just be a wall painted with whiteboard paint <laughs> at this point. Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, there's, you gave us so many things to look out for and you know, I'm going to keep them fresh on my mind as we start to Good. see the rollout to some things. I mean, I remember one of our whiteboard conversations. I mean, you talked about recovery being extremely important. And I think we were talking about Connecticut in particular, and we've seen that now become something that is uniform. So, I mean, that's why I love talking about your whiteboard because yes. things, things off that whiteboard People seem forget. to get done. People forget. They, like this is the thing like innovation is is interesting and and so one of the other things that was always on my whiteboard was data hey hockey fans thanks for listening to this episode of the founding four podcast featuring anya packer as i mentioned in the intro anya teased a little bit about analytics so she mentioned mike murphy and i definitely want to plug my good friend mike murphy and his patreon page her hockey counts Mike Murphy, since I know him, has been tracking hockey statistics for women's hockey, and now he has made it official with his own Patreon page. Please check the description uh, to support Mike Murphy and the amazing work that he's doing in hockey analytics, particularly for women's hockey. And that was something that we were forced, we were tasked to provide our athletes more data. And then we inked a few partnerships. We had um, something coming out soon, which I'm really excited for. Ooh. And it's all about coaching and data and getting our athletes access to knowing their numbers and not necessarily just saying, hey, you're an athlete, good for you. Um, you play hockey, you scored a goal, great. You know, it's more minutes on the ice box than it's it's more than the box score is what I'm trying to say. And, and mm-hmm. that helps our coaches be better coaches as well as our athletes be, um, be better athletes where are their shots coming from where what is their what percentage of shots are going in what what you know all these different data points that they can then see their coursey for their um you know mike murphy-esque points and stats become something that they have at their fingertips and that makes for better athletes and so those are all things that we have for the bubble and that we'll have long term and that's that's important that stuff is really important Love to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike Murphy and, and that whole crew has really sold me on on the numbers. I'm more of a eye test person, you know? So Listen. I think I have a pretty good eye just putting it out there. But the data is important. I mean, I love what Mike has been able to do, like created an entire stat and named it after an NWHL player, the steady. Like, come on. Yes. First of all, why we we need more things named after Stead? Like, let's more just be real. Named after Kelly Steadman, number one. 
Number two, those are things that, that we forget that we've innovated. And that when we think about what the NWHL has done to leave its mark already on sport and on hockey, we forget how far we've come. And so it's moments like that, that you kind of reflect and think, wow, that's pretty cool. One for her, but also for our group that she, and, and that innovation exists. And so, you know, when we start seeing the study in, in different leagues, I'll be even more hyped, but it's good data. And I think that data is important and, and it was something that we were called on. And that I think is important. And when someone says, hey, this is where you're lacking. And this is something that I feel like makes you either not professional or not um, providing the right resources. I take that to heart, like, like majorly. I love it though. <laughs> I love it. Bring it and on. I love when people are unhappy. No, I love when people speak out about things that make them unhappy. There you go. <laughs> I love when people are unhappy. No. I love it when people are unhappy. I love my life. <laughs> First of all, no, but when someone has the, the confidence to speak out on something, I can take action on it. If I don't know, nothing is going to happen. And I really respect the players that speak out against things that they need changed. And I think that that drives real action. So at the end of the day, I mean, people always ask me like, oh, you know, what are your thoughts? I'm like, I love it. And I think that it's making us better. There we go. That's what we want. That's yep. ultimately what we want. So I am always thankful for your time. And, you know, Weiwei, thank, thanks for your time as well. Love the cameo. <laughs> Baby way. Those zebras? Zebras. Got some zebra action going on. Oh, look at that. Oh. <laughs> I get a smile. We get a smile. Hi, mother. Hi. Locked in on the light. It's like. <laughs> I mean, that's all you gotta focus on. Focus on the light. Yes, you got a little pack here. Oh, anyway, when it. you're when when he's playing hockey, he'll be like, "I wish I was in the NWHL." <laughs> <laughs> it's where the cool kids are. Yeah, that's where the cool kids play. <laughs> Can you believe this? Actually, you know what I was thinking about when he is like in college. We will the NWHL will be at the tenure of the WNBA right now. Wow. <laughs> this is your this is your like measuring stick That's NWHL success. Holy cow. All right, let's go. Let's go away. May we all be here to enjoy it together. Always yeah! always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for as always breaking things down, digestible but real as ever. Um so happy new year. We'll and happy hopefully we'll talk again in 2021. Bye buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and we got some more sweet sweet music by baby Waylon at the end of that episode as always thank you for listening to the founding four podcast if you are not already doing so please give us a follow on twitter i said i want a 10x patreon but i really really need to 10x uh the social meets for the founding four pod so uh, follow us at founding4pod, that's founding the numeral 4, P-O-D. And um, again, sharing what we put out, we, it's just me these days, although I'm, I'm trying to reel Mike back in. Uh, sharing what I put out is extremely important. Not only does it get the story of the NWHL out, but also it helps me 
be able to uh, reach a broader audience, which leads to more opportunities, which just leads to more coverage. So uh, yeah, that's what that's what I got. So we're gonna I'm gonna overlay this outro music. We're gonna close it close it up for January 1st. As always, thank you for listening to the Founding Four podcast and uh, make sure you tell a friend. I hope all of your wishes and goals for 2021 come true. And the way that they're going to come true is if we start today. So giving you some encouragement, January 1st, let's get it going. Until next episode, Erica Ayala signing out. Peace.